Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the 29th episode of Tales of Tamriel. Wow, 29 episodes. It's awesome. Anyway, I am your not-so-humble host, Jellos, and with me this evening, back from her killing spree for the Dark Brotherhood, Lady Spidersbane herself, Lace. <laughs> How are you doing today, my dear? Wow, that name is so incorrect. I am, um... I'm good. I'm glad to be home. Killed a lot of people past week. Uh, I missed my Khajiit, so it's good to be home. Indeed, and uh, I, I assume you don't have to go to the bathroom anymore since of our pre-show accident with the seltzer water. That was fun. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm good now. My, my chair's <laughs> a little wet, but I'm good. <laughs> Spraying I, I, everywhere. I feel bad for everybody in the in the chat, though. I kind of screamed. It scared me. Indeed. Okay, well, next up, also joining us this afternoon, he is preparing to play the most OP class in the history of the Elder Scrolls Online, even though he's not doing it now, even though I thought he was going to. Delta of Deltia's gaming. Hey, How hi. does it feel to control such raw power that is the Templar? Yes. <laughs> you know, I've had some friends be playing him, and they're doing pretty good on him, so I'm going to try it out. I'm curious, but yeah, I'm going to go back on the Sork right now. On the Sork. Oh, see, I even titled this episode The Beast That Is the Templar, and you're not playing the Templar class. Well, you can you can make it to a spritzer water that explodes. Spritzer. I think we're going to have to change <laughs> the name of the episode, definitely. Uh, pre-show problems. Anyway, all right, well, let's go ahead and move on and uh, not talk about our terrible pre-show where we explode water everywhere, and let's move right into the game news. First off for this week, game news patch notes 1.3.4 was released. Uh, the Elder Scrolls Online version 1.3.4 is an incremental patch that features updates to gameplay, quest and trials issues, including updates to problems found after patch 1.3.3 went live, including weapon swapping, bows, trials gear, and die. They will continue working on outstanding issues and encourage you to keep an eye out on the known issues thread on the forums for the most up-to-date status. So, first off, I want to say is, I love the fact that they do this. The, um, the known issues thread on the forums, uh, Delta, have you seen it? Yeah, where they, they basically post, you know, what they know they're working on type thing, letting the community know not to post 15 million tickets on the same thing. 
Right. It's a good thread. I, I like that thread. I've read that thread before. I, I just like the fact they color coded it. The ones where it's like it's, it has a green status. It's like will be updated in future patch. So currently investigating. Currently, inve- it, it, it's neat, and uh, I like the transparency that they have. Um, but anyway, I know one of the things that even in our last episode, Delta, you and I were ranting on a lot was BOE. Uh, trials gear well that has been corrected in 1.3.4 and now all gear from trials including the difficult mode trials are now once again bind on pickup and thank you thank you so much Zenimax. i know uh the second i saw that i pretty much tweeted out that that is the best thing ever because trials <laughs> gear gear for sale was a big glaring mistake yeah it was just not good because I know several of our friends and stuff like that who are currently running trials heavily were farming gear. And I mean, I, I guess they made quite a bit of gold off of it, but they were farming to sell gear. And it just that was not a cool thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, next up, as of listening to this, 1.3.4 has already been out and they've actually returned the respec cost back to their long term value. However, this value is now 50% cheaper than it was in update three or before update three. So uh, if you missed the chance to respec when everything was just one gold per um, per point. Sorry, that time is over. That was only available for that first week when the thing was out. So hopefully everyone went out and got their respects done. I hope so. I really do because it was awesome. Um, but now it's back up to somewhat normal. But now instead of it being 100 gold per point, it's 50 gold per point. So we just cut your costs in half for how many points you've spent. So it's better than it was, but definitely not... Um, I think this is a great change, honestly. I think it's enough incentive to not respect every five seconds. But yet, mm-hmm. you know, if you go play for a few hours and you're picking up stuff and selling some potions, then you can respect. So, you know, we'll respect once a week, test things out. I think it's good. There just sure. needs to be a mechanic. I mean, maybe even 500 uh, a point to respect just one morph. Because I don't want to spend 10 grand to respect just one ability. That's all I wish. I, I agree. I, I'm I'm a, an advocate of either not even not even just morphs because I think they are doing a morph thing, but I I would like the ability as you said, you know, 500 gold per point just to respect one point in morphs are you know 500 gold to, per point to respect an entire skill line. If you put points in, you know, anything of that nature. If you put points in, I don't know, destruction staff, and you decide, you know what, I don't want to be destruction staff anymore. I want to be bow. And you put 20 points out that, you know, that's that's a lot of, you know, you don't want to respect everything to get all those points back. But you essentially have to because you can't just ignore it because it's a lot of investment you put in there, especially if you got all the passives and stuff. Right. So, yeah, they need to have more options. Face your mouth's wide open. So what, what's... what a cheer. Did you see that add on that he's using? No, there was a book in his little map thing. <laughs> he walked up to it and the book disappeared from from this the his compass that is wow what undiscovered tells me all all the sky shards are and all the lore books and all the dungeons and all the quest hubs and yeah oh my gosh 
Where's your sense of adventure then? Then everything is just told to you. <laughs> I'm an MMO, right? I want to kill stuff as fast and as good as possible. Oh, sorry. Okay, I continue. <laughs> I was just amazed at that. That is, wow, I couldn't believe it. And here I thought she had something relevant to say about the respect oh, I do actually. I, I, I'm sad I had to leave when I did because I was only able to respect once. And after looking through how my character was set up today, I wish I had been able to go back and do it again. Mm -hmm. But now that it's back to its original cost, I know there's no way I'm going to be able to do that. And I and I agree with being able to respec a line or just a morph, mm -hmm. but don't make it 500 gold a piece. That is way too expensive for people who do not know how to farm gold effectively. Well, I, I think they should do a tiered system. Like 500 gold for a single skill point is not bad. But if you're only do, like if you if you only want to do one morph, that's essentially what we're talking about is one morph. Um, you you do your I don't know crystal crystal blast and you pick the wrong one. You put it and you're like yeah I don't really like it. I want the different one. Instead of spending what was the cost before Delta? I know it's 100 gold per point. Yeah, 100 yeah. 130 thousand gold or something like that. Um, for or thirteen hundred, I forget what the amount. Yeah, thirteen thousand gold. I mean, thirteen thousand like, gold just to yeah. respect one crystal. No, no, I agree <laughs> with that. Being able to do one more. Yeah. But don't make it five hundred gold. It's too mm, much. I, I, that's I, but that's just my opinion, though. I'm, I'm poor. I'm always poor in MMOs. Well, you know, as much as I would love the idea of being able to respect for free, MMOs need money sinks, or it becomes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I agree with with the yeah. money sink, but not that much. You just okay. disagree with me no matter what. Yeah, she, she's just disagreeing yeah. with you. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, when when games don't have money sinks, it becomes like... It is cheap add-ons, <laughs> It becomes <laughs> sort of like your, uh, you know, that game you play that I don't want to say the name, Maple Story. <laughs> I said it, I know. I cannot believe you just said that. Well, it's true. It's a good example because everything being a free-to-play game and cash shop, most of the money. best items you get from in-game stores. So in-game items are insane amount of money. Like you were telling me, the All amount of money is like thirty. Like oh, you can get this item which is like a potion, and it's like six billion. It's I'm sitting there going, but I'm farming and I'm getting like five gold at a time, and that's six billion. It's just over the years as the games develop. Without money sinks, money becomes not worth as much. I mean, well, same... I, I I really like the money system in this game. Mm -hmm. Now that the top end gear you can't get, because realistically, the other gear, the armor stuff, is pretty comparable to the trials gear. Yes, it has better set bonuses, but not everyone's using the trial sets that do that does trials, especially tanks. Um, so it is comparable. I but. It's it's something to aim for, something to give, and you can't just buy it. That's great. Everything else in the game, you need money to buy to do high end stuff, whether it's high end food, potions, weapons, tempering alloys, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So this game has a really good market. Gold means something, but it doesn't mean everything. Warhammer Online, gold meant nothing. You couldn't buy anything useful to help your character out. That was terrible. Other games had it where you just have to be farming gold all day. Well, that's no fun because you don't get to do what you want to do. I think this game has a def a good balance of both. That's you know that's what I think. I agree. There, in there, eventually, in some games like uh, 
here's a perfect example warcraft for instance because of how old it is and because money sinks really aren't there in a tangible way you don't really need money for a lot of things enchants and stuff like that which spike during new content releases and then disappear when um, everyone has them on their gear best in slot right yeah best in slot and you're done it and um i'm trying to think of another game that was like that final fantasy 14 back in its day earlier on when uh repair costs were super money had a real value to it because you weren't making as much money as you were losing doing the raids and stuff of that nature now they changed that and now money you know like it it hurts everything the the economy now not for every item but certain items is much lower than it was before before you could sell items almost everything for at least a little bit of money because people were trying to make money, people were selling, the, the economy was active because people needed to make money in order to progress their character and keep their character going. Now money's almost an afterthought where, yeah, I have a bunch of it, I'll wait till housing comes out or whatever the case may be. Um, and that's how, a, if you don't have valid money sinks, it does become a, is it really worth it? Yep. I was thinking about pickles. Are we still talking about ESO? Yes. Well, what game were you just talking about? Final Fantasy fourteen. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Well, we're, let's go ahead and move on to the next thing before she keeps talking about pickles here. Next Pickle up. Pickle cards? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was bad. My bad. Okay. <laughs> next up, they fixed the bow issue where the enemy health bar would not update to show damage from <laughs> bow attacks. All the enemy would still take the damage. Much to Isn't the, that bad? Uh, you know, relief of Deltia sitting there going, I shot it. Why is it not dead? Yeah. Second that, off, uh, the, another highlight from this that I really like to hi, uh, point out: fixed an issue where there was an ore node in the Vale Mance that was respawning more often than intended. I heard a lot of people got banned over this because they were farming it and exploiting it like crazy. And I couldn't tell you how many Reddit posts I saw, how many videos of people on YouTube going, "I don't understand. I was using the money." Like one guy I saw. He's like, I was using the money to uh, fund in-game events, and I was giving it all away, but I knew what I was doing was bad, because like, I knew it was an exploit, but I didn't think I'd get banned because, you know, I was giving it all away. Well, yeah. What was the exploit? Doing what? There is an ore node in, in uh, the Vile Mance. Oh. Yeah, that would respawn way too frequently. Like, you could stand there and just keep going and again and again and again. So people were actually farming this node where they would just right. stand there and keep doing it and breaking it down for, you know... Uh, tempering alloys. Tempering alloys. Yeah, tons of money. Lots of money from that. And people were getting banned for that because of, um, you know, it's an exploit. It was an error. Like, the fact that you know a uh, an ore node is not supposed to respawn in five seconds. If it does, there's a problem. It, but... People were exploiting it, and I know a lot of people got banned. So that's interesting. Well, I mean, you know, if you have to ask yourself, is this wrong? It's probably wrong. That's right. That's, that's kind of the golden rule of common sense. You know, I, I've done things taking advantage of the systems too, but I don't want to get banned for this game because I have no idea what I'll do with my free time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to be like a normal human being that goes outside. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be outside. No. With people? Sorry. People. Craziness. Don't you know real life is the Elder Scrolls Online? You just have to take breaks <laughs> from it to uh, you know, go to work. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, last up, there was a lot of changes in dungeons and group content, including uh, Blackheart Haven and several trials changes to Hellross Citadel and overall changes to trial leaderboards. If you're interested in checking out the patch notes, they are available on the official Elder Scrolls Online forums. You can check them out there if you want to see the complete patch notes. All right. Next up, this is actually going to be something fun. I'm actually let Thanes read this one. Okay. Not everyone is a hero, and the remains of those who couldn't face the dangers of Tamriel are scattered throughout the provinces. Who are these travelers, and how did they meet such grisly fates? In this new series of contests, we want you to get created. creative. If you can come up with the best story, we have some fun prizes for you. To participate, take a good look at the image below. Then, create your own fictional entry of 500 words or less that tells us more about the scene. You can write a short story, a journal entry, or any other kind of fictional text that sh I have to stop eating mints while reading. <laughs> text that sheds more light on what happened to cause this grim tableau. Once you're happy with your creation, post it in the contest entry thread. We'll start accepting entries today, August 11th, and we'll close the contest this Friday, August 15th at 11.59 p.m. EDT. If you're one of the three winners we announce on August 29th, you'll receive a $25 electronic gift certificate to the Bethesda store and an ESO t-shirt of your choosing. So yeah, they're actually having another contest called Tales of the Dead. And the entry is already closed, which is pretty sad, but uh, I hope everyone entered. And actually, I tried to message you about that, Thais, because I know how much you like writing, but you were away, so you didn't get a chance to actually write anything. Yeah, sorry. The, the Dark Brotherhood comes first. That's right. But uh, yeah, we'll uh, keep everyone abreast of who wins, and uh, good luck to those who've entered. All right. Next up on the news front, Fighters Guild figure, which is actually kind of neat. I really want one. Um, if you're looking for more of these things to add to your ESO collection, they've created. Uh, let's see what company it is. Sim. What is that? Simio. Okay. Well, they've created a Fighters Guild figure that's now available. You can go ahead and get it. It is a Fighters Guild figure with a little guar. He's really cool. I like him. And it comes with a bow and a little sword. It's kind of neat. It's just one of them little figure things. Uh, kind of reminds me of those little bobblehead things, but I don't think it's a bobblehead. Uh, Delty, did you see this little thing? I did, yeah. It looks awesome. Now, does it come with the guar, too? The little guar guy? Yes. Yes. Oh, that's a, I gotta have that. Not only that, but it'll give you an in-game code for your own Quama Scrib pet. So if you like what? the Quama Scribs, you can get that. And huh. uh, you will get one in game i want my dog i want my dog in the game <laughs> i still miss my dog I, I see those dogs running around the people that bought the steam copies and it makes me mad it makes me mad i want one right well if you're interested in checking these out you can go over to uh whatever the Sim symbiote studios and you can get it. it's 30 dollars for the fighters guild guy with the little guar and you'll get an in-game kwama squib pet as well so Looks pretty neat. A little dust ornament. I kind of like it, but I have a feeling that Arkajit would run off with it in like three seconds. So. Well, not necessarily. My other little dust totems survive. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. Maybe. And hi, Khajiit. You gotta move off the desk. Okay, let me get rid of her. All right. 
Let's see here. Next up on the news front, if you've been paying attention to the forums, uh, our friend over there, Brian Wheeler, posted a pretty interesting little post about upcoming future changes to the Alliance War. And I'm going to go ahead and read this off real quick. He goes, hey, gang, we wanted to give you a heads up uh, regarding the Alliance War PvP team. Uh, is looking into in the future as well as what's currently working on in Cyrodiil. As a general reminder, the Alliance War team is responsible for all things Cyrodiil, the Imperial City, and the campaign system as a whole. So this post will center on those topics. First off, campaign durations. We are closely watching the populations of the new campaigns that we introduced in Update 3 and are tracking the in-game numbers daily. Future campaigns and plans thereof will rely greatly on the live in-game information we're currently gathering from both the U.S. and the EU servers. Uh, client hitches and crashes. As mentioned in the QuakeCon presentation, we're working on many game client optimizations that will address client hitching and crashing and crashes by allowing you to fine-tune your FX settings. These changes, along with continued server optimization, will help address the quality of combat and encounters in Cyrodiil. Home campaign buffs. This is a good one. I'm really glad they did this one. Originally, the home campaign buffs were intended as a means to attach ownership to your campaign. However, it has been observed at great length that alliances have chosen various home campaigns um, and guessed into other campaigns to earn as many buffs as possible. In the future, we plan on having home buffs travel with you into PvE, but while in Cyrodiil, you only get buffs from your local campaign, the campaign you're physically located in at the time. Emperor Trading, we're still monitoring this after patch 1.3, and with changes made to the leaderboard requirements, limited campaign choices, and Siege Decay changes. For future updates, we may change the method of leveling up Emperorship and ex-Emperor buffs. Guest Pass and Jump to Player. Being that ESO is an MMO, adding limits to when, where I can play with my friends is key issue we're aware of. That's why the jump to player option is currently allowed to enter Cyrodiil. It's our belief that allowing players to group up and play together is one of the most important aspects of an MMO and removing the capability to jump to your friends or use guest pass would be detrimental. That being said, with campaign home buffs being adjusted to local campaigns only, in the future, as well as introducing more campaign options, this will hopefully cut down on jump-to-player guest pass abuse. Uh, let's see here. And, okay, almost done. Imperial City, the final piece of the Alliance War metagame, is coming and will uh, definitely change the landscape and goals of players in Cyrodiil. We are aware of the population waves that this will introduce on a campaign-by-campaign -campaign basis and we'll be closely monitoring this when the Imperial City launches. Finally, the Alliance War future after Imperial City launches, we will be looking to add more content into Cyrodiil in some of the emptier locations. We will, of course, continue adding to the keep system too. We're also looking to add more Alliance-specific gear to give more options for individual identity to the Almari, Ebonheart, and Daggerfall communities. So... Uh, Delty, I know me and you were looking at this the other day. The big thing that I'm most happy about is campaign buffs. 
and how they're yeah. going to be changing those. Did you see anything else in here that really kind of jumped out at you? Yeah, I mean, the uh, basically the option to kind of play with your system settings, because there's tons of crashes and bugs and glitches still. Um, and then also they said the low population areas, meaning they're going to add some incentives to do other stuff than just Zerg keeps. I really think they're listening to the player base. I mean, this is impressive. This is exactly what we talk about. There shouldn't be, well, and Thais disagrees, but, it, you know, Thais has a good point. She wants the home campaign buffs, and I think someone else, Hollow, might have said it too, that it makes you feel, you know, like it's important to go in Cyrodiil and fight. And I get that. I totally do. But just like anything, that's not what it's getting used for. It's getting exploited. Everyone goes to the one campaign, and no one, like I said, no one messes with that campaign. All the PvP players leave them alone, and everyone gets the buffs, but that's not really what it's for. So they're adjusting based on that. I like that. And they're also adjusting the the bug and glitchiness of it. I mean, I, sh I have two 780 graphics cards, or 880, excuse me. I should not be running 12 frames per second, even if there's 90 people running around. So I like that too. They've got the bug straight with the bow and some of the other things. I, I will be really happy when the crashes and glitches and low frame rate memory leak will be out of Cyrodiil. Those are the things that are preventing me from going there all the time. Because, I mean, if you go there, you take 10 minutes to travel to a battle, you're having a blast, your game crashes. That's that's it. That's it. I'm done. Out. See ya. I'll go pick up flowers or something. You know, I'm not going to do that. So I'm excited. You can just tell the developers are really listening to their fan base. And it's not perfect, but it's coming a long way. Well, it, it, as a, you know, if you think about it like this, this is the one thing I always say, nothing will ever be perfect because there's always something you can do to improve upon it. But it's just nice to see that they are actively listening and are giving, you know, a lot of the stuff that they have on here are the major complaints. What I see yep. from players, what we complain about. <laughs> Yep. It, it, it's almost like they sat down with a piece of paper and a you know a pencil and was writing down while listening to our show. Oh, they don't like that. Okay. What? You guys complain? <laughs> Never. Never. See, hey. we're just fun-loving, awesome guys. Now, here's one that I was really kind of interested in, and maybe I don't, I don't know if you know the answer to this, Delta, but I wasn't sure, and I tried looking it up, but I wasn't able to find anything. The guest pass and jump the player. Do you know how yeah. people were exploiting that? Yep. Basically, you can home somewhere to get the buffs. You can guest another place. Um, and then any of your friends can, as long as one person has a guest, you can just uh, group to them or jump to them like you normally would, like a PVE instance. So basically, you can go to any one of the campaigns whenever you want. That's what it was. But it's not meant to be like that. It's meant to be guest. You know, guest, you have to summon limited ability, but you can't switch it like here and there. And so what people were doing it was just go leaping from one campaign to the next to the next to the next based on what was easiest to kill and farm. So does that make sense? That makes absolute perfect sense now that now that uh, you explained to me that way, because I wasn't really sure. I'm sitting there going, how are they exploiting that? But it does make sense. All right. Because, yeah, there's a three day cooldown on changing your both home campaign and your guest campaign. So. Yep. I guess they were just farming, you know, kills and stuff like that by jumping wherever, whatever their faction was pushing, that's where they went. Oh, and I would like to say one more thing. They really did fix the bow and stuff like that. The glitches that was making me really pissed off, they did a good job fixing them. So, good job. Excellent. 
Yeah, that was definitely that was definitely a problem. I remember watching it the other night on your stream, and that was just hilarious to see it. <laughs> now, okay, it was really weird. You were taking damage the entire time when the thing was hitting you, right? Even before it technically died. Right, and then all of a sudden it was died or some weird. Yeah, it was strange. Weapon swaps were glitchy. You know, where you'd have a staff and it looked like a two-handed sword and stuff like that. It yep. seems that's been resolved. That that happened to me a lot, and I thought it was hilarious because it, it was no kind of funny. <laughs> the other people saw what you had because I had the East here. We were running around in Len Umbra, and I'm like, "Hey, look at this! I'm swinging my staff like a two-handed sword." She looked over. She's like, "Look at my screen." And I look at her screen, and I have a two-handed sword. She's like, "I don't see a weird staff." I'm like, "Oh, it's just me." <laughs> That's funny. All right. Uh, let's see here. The last bit of news we have for this week is another one of our Loremaster archives, the introduction to Adric Studies, which is awesome. Um, in this installment of the Loremaster archives, we'll take a look at the Adra and Daedra, focusing primarily on the former. Read on to, uh, to find new lore books as well as a Q&A with, oh my goodness... Frastus of Frastus. Thank you. Uh, renowned scholar of the Second Era. Man, whatever happened to, like, John Bob? Next time, Abbot Bob, that's his name, his name now, Abbot Bob of the Order of the Ancestor Moth will answer your questions on death and the fate of souls. Send your questions on this topic and any other lore-related topic to community at elderscrollsonline.com, and you may see them answered in an upcoming entry. Wow, Bob. Okay. Yeah, Bob. Syllabus for Lectures by Frastus of Elenir. This lecture series will provide you with thorough and edification on the nature and history of Adric forces, their manifestations, and influence on the Mundus, and an overview of prevalent modern theories with regard to controversial topics related thereunto. Provided you complete the required reading prior to each session, you will acquire a clear understanding of these mythogenic forces that will serve as a sufficient base for deeper study in a number of disciplines, from historical inquiry to theoretical etheroplanar manipulation. Your cultural and personal preconceptions will be challenged, common myths will be dispelled from crude misinterpretations of the Aedra as powerful creator beings of good looking down upon and tinkering with Nern to the, to the supposition of Aedra and Daedra as locked in perpetual extra-mundic war. These explorations, these ex- that was a lot of words all at once. I know, uh, Abbot Bob over here is really smart. <laughs> The explorations presented in this course have, in the past, offended certain dogmatic students, especially in regards to the divines, but I urge you to approach these topics as a scholar and not as a priest. Understanding the age beyond creation, mythology, and the convention of the divines will allow you to grow as a scholar. The very approach in these, in this series, it's too far away, babe. Okay, I'll move it. <laughs> Oh, that's much better. Thank you. <laughs> Where was I? Yeah. We're here? Mm -hmm. Okay. Understanding the Aedra beyond creation mythology and the convention of the divines will allow you to grow as a scholar. The very approach this series demands will instruct you in the proper methodology of scholarly pursuits. 
We will study rare and obscure texts, unravel complex symbolic structures, and approach each topic from a critical standpoint. The five primary lecture topics are as follows. Lecture 1, Survey of, of Origination Myths. Lecture 2, Anuic Pedomic Interplay. Lecture 3, Adra versus Daedra. Lecture 4, Adric Energies and Influence. Lecture 5, Beyond Mere Divines. Outside reading and sedulous note-taking are necessary for full understanding of the lectures. All required outside text reference can be found in the fine library on the grounds. Do not wait to the last possible moment to prepare for a lecture. Only a few copies of certain ancient and obscure texts will be available. Naturally, you will be inclined to explore some of the subjects presented further. Your newfound knowledge of Adric beings, their involvement in creation, a broader understanding of their relationship to the Eight Divines, and exposure to current debates will propel you to additional studies. For additional reading, I recommend works by Brother Hedgefield, Brother Mikhail Karksoxer, Karksoxer? Mm. and A Contour of Shimmerine. Beyond those we will reference through the series. Be ever vigilant in your studies, however, and avoid biased or poorly researched works, such as those scribbled by Cinnabar of Tanith. Always seek refutations and take no one scholar's words for absolute truth. That really was a textbook, because oh my goodness, I about fell asleep during that class. I, I think I might need a sedative after that. <laughs> you know what I really find funny? As a as a this was almost like a lore um a lore WTF, whatever you want to say. Wasn't uh Cinnabar of Tanith one of the earlier um lore things? Yes. Okay, so essentially she got smacked down there. Pretty much. I see. Alright, well now they add another question and answer thing. My guess that was a really boring book. It was it was difficult. There were a lot of very difficult uh, words next to each other <laughs> in words? like long sentences. There's, well, they do that in books. <laughs> no, they words. I, you know, don't you go back to PvP? All right, leave the speaking to people who are not so great at it. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Oh my goodness, they 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 really made that feel like a lecture for introduction to Edric studies. But anyway, let's continue on with this one. Uh, there's a little Q&A that I, I actually do like these Q&As because they're done in a very lore-friendly kind of way. Anyway, this guy says, I have acquired a strong interest in Altmari religious perspectives. It would be a great interest to me to hear your thoughts on the role of a, a Newell plays in the Altmari pantheon. An acolyte of the Temple of Oriel tells me that Oriel, the soul of Anu, the everything, and the soul father of Oriel. She says the temple was built in Oriel's honor, not, oh my goodness, not Oriel's end is one of many. I have also read that Altmer aimed to advocate the will of Anuel. Is, Anu, is Anuel then a kind of high king, supreme above even Oriel? Or is this, or is there a, um, what are you laughing at over there? Nothing. Be quiet. Uh, of roles going on without Mari religion. Does this perception travel between or travel across into Breton faith, given that it contains elven influences? It is a cardinal error to personify Anuel, the essence of order. 
just as, as it is to personify Sithis, the essence of chaos, it is more useful to think of them as cosmic principles that pervade the Urbis. Insofar as Inuel is the orderly essence of all the Adra, it is fair to say that every elven temple is dedicated to Anuel. When a high elf says that she advocates the will of Anuel, this is just a flowery elvish way of saying that she wants to make up new rules for others to follow. <laughs> Interesting. Next up, I still get a little confused with the whole Aedra versus Daedra thing. Why are there good Daedra like Azure and Meridia, etc.? They seem to be a lot more complicated than just demons. Insofar as the Daedra are the Etada of Chaos, complexity is part of their very nature. They refuse to participate in the creation of the Mundus, and most of them are deliberately or casually... In a, whoa. I don't even see that word. That one right there. Oh. Inimical. There we go. I got it. Or casually inimical to mortals. But the Daedric princes are beyond such simple categorizations as good or evil, with the notable exception of Moleg Ball and Mayruns Dagon, who are especially abominable. Well, I mean, if you find rape to be bad. Most people would. Oh. Yeah. Well, sorry, Molag. You're bad. Do minor Adric spirits exist? Can they be summoned, contacted, like the opposite of summoning a minor Daedra? Also, if Adra are all dead and are currently disabled due to partaking in the creation of Nern, could someone summon a spirit from Aetherius, perhaps a Magna Gi? Minor Adric spirits definitely exist, but they are rarely encountered as Mundus is considered off-limits since Magnus withdrew from it at the moment of creation. I know of no successful attempts to contact such spirits, probably because Adric entities simply do not respond to mortals, at least not since the ages of myth. Huh. And final question from the Q&A. Okay, so, I'll, so I know when Mundus was being created that the Adric sacrificed a large amount of power to solidify the creation of the plane and now they are essentially shells of their original selves. But my question is whether their total, their loss of power is permanent or if they are slowly regaining their power over time. It seems unlikely, and as much as we abide within the reality created by that sacrifice, and restoration of the Aedra would seem to imply a diminishment or weakening of the Mundus. No such diminu- no such diminishment has been detected. Okay, and final reading that we have for this study. Do you think you can handle this? Uh, you know. Or should I... we skip it? Why don't we ask the chat? Well, we'll do it. Three seconds from now. <laughs> do it. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. All right, all right. Okay. This, this is like your PvP. Yeah, go, go at for it. it. Go. All right. Daedra worship, the Chimer. The history of Daedra worship by the elves, once known as the Chimer, provides a valuable object lesson in the dangers of traffic with the so-called Lords of Oblivion. It's a tale of peril that modern-day apologists for Daedric worship, such as Lady Cinnabar, would do well to heed. Let's begin with a few facts that not even the Shrew of Tanith could deny. The Aedra, the gods, the divines, created Nern out of the chaos of oblivion. They assumed physical form within the mortal plane, the Mundus, and according to elven myth, were the direct ancestors of the Aldmeri. 
The Aedra were the natural objects of holy reverence for the Elves of the Dawn Era, and the first organized religions venerated these divines. However, after Nun was born, the Aedra withdrew from their creation, becoming distant, aloof, and disinterested in the affairs of mortals. But beyond the Mundus, in the infinite variation of oblivion, there were other godlike entities of great power known as the Daedra, literally the not Aedra, who began to take a malign interest in the realm the Aedra had created. Some of the more powerful of these entities, the so-called Daedric princes, who ruled entire oblivion planes of their own, were nonetheless jealous of the mortals of Nern, for they had inherited the Aedric capacity of creation. This ability was beyond the Daedra who, though masters of change and metamorphosis, create nothing new that has not been before. However, one quality the Daedric princes shared with the young mortals of Nern was a lust for power in all its forms. This corrupting desire is the foundation of all mortal worship of the Daedra. The princes offer power in return for service and worship. Most often, this power comes in the form of knowledge. The most, the most seductive and least perilous seeming of the Daedric temptations. To show how seductive this temptation can be, reflect upon the early Aldmer of Somerset. Though in their arrogance they considered themselves the lineal descendants of the Aedra, nonetheless the first large-scale religious sect espousing Daedra worship was born in the heart of Somerset itself. There, in the rainbow shadow of the Crystal Tower, the so-called Prophet Veloth communed with the Daedric Prince Boethia and agreed to accept her gifts. He inscribed the Velothi prophecies, which expounded the doctrine of worship of the good Daedra, Boethia, Azura, and Mayfala, along with ways to prop propitiate and negotiate with the bad Daedra, Molegbal, Malakath, Sheagorath, and Mayrunes Dagon. To the more foolish of the Somerset Aldmeri, the arts and skills of the good Daedra offered to teach them seem more useful than the maxims and platitudes of the priests of the Aedra, and a number of elven clans accepted Veloth as their prophet and guide. With the Sepiarchs of Eleanor rightfully prohibited this schism, Veloth led the clans loyal to him out of the Isles and across the seas to the far side of Tamriel, where they colonized the domain now known as Morrowind. The followers of St. Veloth, who became known as the Chimer, were willing to trade the paradise of Golden Somerset for the purgatory of Ashen Morrowind, all in return for the illusory gifts of the Daedra. The Chimer built mighty temples to Boethia, Azura, and Mayfala, and established the traditions of worship in Morrowind that were later co-opted by the tribunal. As even the beginning student of history knows, this large-scale dabbling with Daedra led inevitably to warfare and catastrophe. Chimer civilization fell at the Battle of Red Mountain, and the curse of Azura, their erstwhile mistress, transformed the brilliant Chimer into the sullen and haunted Dunmer. After that time, Morrowind, under the tribunal, turned its back on worship of the Daedra. But by then, the damage had been done. Today, the Daedra are feared and abhorred across the length and breadth of Tamriel, and rightly so. Yet, despite the clear lessons of history, some misguided souls still insist that traffic with Daedra lords can be tolerated, even accepted. To those such as you, Lady Cinnabar, I say, beware. 
What pact with the Daedra ever ended well? Excellent. I actually like that second book better than the first one, and I, I like what Hira said, do it for the orphan spiders. That's horrible. <laughs> uh, yep. Well, I hope everyone actually likes these sections. I've been back and forth with them. Normally, they're all right. That first book was atrocious, though, because it wasn't even I, really a book. It's it's my fault. That was a difficult read, and I feel bad for the listeners. There were... Oh, it, whew, that was rough. It wasn't even the fact that word, it was done as a lecture, so it, it was tedious. It's almost like you were in a lecture hall. Normally, they're not near as boring as that. But I feel like uh, this is something for the lore nuts like us out here and, and uh, that really like the lore. I mean, let's be honest. I highly doubt half the people actually read these. I mean, a few of us lore nuts, I read them. I know uh, our friend TS Fangirl, she reads them. But I doubt very few others do. So if we don't read them, they won't ever learn all this awesome lore. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that other than that first book because that, that was just bad. Not for anything Thais did, just because it was a bad book. <laughs> All right, so uh, that ends our game news section, and it's time for us to move on to the Elder Scrolls discussion topic, a.k.a. the host rant. Albeit, I don't think we're going to have a lot to uh, argue about, because this week, if you haven't been living under a rock, you probably noticed that the update for preview video came out. Delta, did you see that? Well, of course I did. I think I was like one of the first guys to tweet it. <laughs> well, didn't I say last week, I'm like, this is one of the best parts because we're in that weird time that I bet you within a week or two we'll see something about yep. the next update. And what do you know? Yeah, you did. yeah I didn't know. That, that's pretty soon they did that. Yeah. And uh, so for those who don't know about Update 4, we're going to talk a little bit about it. Uh, some of the stuff they highlighted, like this one doesn't seem to be as large of a patch. Like even the last one, I guess, really wasn't that large, but it had a lot of... Uh, a lot of different stuff that touched a lot of different areas. This one seems to be very much confined within the new zone, sort of like the old Craglorn patch was. So first off, their upper Craglorn is now going to be revealed. So they're going to expand upon Craglorn some more and add new quests and delves to that area, um, which I think is awesome. But this is also where I'm going to start ranting, and I think Delta, you can uh, agree with me, and Thais will probably argue with me. I'm not really sure. Zoss, I love the idea of Craglorn. Four-man questing is fantastic. I really think they should have pushed for the group enhancements first, though. Because the problem with a lot of the, the uh, Craglorn questing, and yes, we haven't done a lot of it yet. I've been to Craglorn once on my character, I haven't taken you there yet. Sorry about that. We can argue at me later. But I've been there. But the major problem with Craglorn as it stands is a lot of the quests require you to either be VR12, which then, if you're not just interested in the story, why are you doing them? Or you require a full group of four people. In theory, that's amazing. But with how the current grouping situation is in the Elder Scrolls Online, it makes it difficult because if you're not on the exact same step of a quest, you're going to have a problem. And... Unless you're like Thais and myself, who we don't even really play our characters unless we're both here, you're you're going to have a hard time finding people, especially people that you want to play with. This is Deltia. You can ring in here. You love the four-man content. This would be awesome content for you guys to do. You and like four of your closest friends. The yep. problem is, if you're not all playing together, you, you, you know, you guys get on different uh, quest levels and you can't can't play together. Uh, 
yeah, so that's my thoughts on that. Uh, what do you think, Baze? <sighs> I like the idea that they are expanding the group content. And I only have one issue. And the one issue that I have is, is that I, I want there to be a good difficulty level. That's, that's what I'm most concerned about. A difficulty level for the quests, or I mean, we'll talk about the other stuff later, but the quest zones aren't super difficult, but I think the way, the problem with Craglorn and Delta, you could probably tell me this as well, uh, and what I see on the forums is people aren't doing the quests because it's too hard to find a group of four people to do it with that are on the same step when it's just easier to join one of the massive zergs that run around and do anomalies or world bosses. Is that not correct, well, Deltia? Yeah, I mean, those those delves aren't really made to do just like grinding stuff, level up. It's more like once you hit VR12 or your VR4 and you have a good competent group and comms that can... we. In fact, Brandon from the guild uh, helped us out and we did a bunch of them, got sky shards, and we had a blast. It was a riot. Uh, but if you're talking about just purely grinding and getting leveling, that's what everyone's doing. There's re really, it comes down to incentive. What's the incentive to do that? Well, if there's no skill point, there's not fast XP, people aren't going to do it. Um, so once you get them unlocked and get the sky shards, that's the problem. Is there's nothing to come back to and do. Okay. Yeah, yeah. See... <laughs> Um, how, how about the rewards? Is there any incentive? Do they need to move yeah, up it, the rewards? They need to get make it, there's some gear. I mean, like even a purple drop every time you complete it would be good. But there's really, like I said, it's kind of it's kind of like running a public dungeon or um, a veteran ranked dungeon. They're fun and you do one, well, you get the skill point and you're done. Now what? I think that they're talking about adding that system where there's like daily rewards for running veteran ranked dungeons. I think that's really important to do content over and over because there's some incentive. Right now, there really isn't. Same with Craghorn, too. So every character I get to be a rank, I go there, get the Sky Shards, and then when that's done, I move on. Never do it again. Guess why? Right. Well, here's something that's kind of interesting. And actually, one thing I wanted to do was they went through and did a whole bunch of revisions to all of the delves within... Um, uh, why am I drawing a blank here? Uh, Cold Harbor. Cold yeah. Harbor. And I really want to go there and find out what is different, what makes them... Like, they tried to expand them, more loot. But I do agree. There needs to be... Here would be a perfect thing, I know, which would probably flood the market a little bit, but probably wouldn't be a terrible thing, is daily rewards for doing public dungeons. When you do a dungeon, have there be a chest at the end that has at least a rare quality item in it, or maybe better? And you could do every, you know, once a day... You could every go do that. and Every dungeon. Yep. Every dungeon. Every single one. And of course, it'd be based on level. You might get a blue or green within that level range, but it would be an, it would be a reason to go do it again. Like, I would go yep. and do the delves every day for a chance at at least a rare quality. I wouldn't say an epic quality, but there needs to be a chance of it. It's guaranteed rare or better item out of there, and that would be a reason to go out there because at the very least you get those items, you can break them down for crafting resources or sell them. And it would be a great way of people making a little bit of money. Yes, it would flood the market a little bit, but that's the best part about the way the market currently is in ESO because there's no global auction house 
yeah, people would have more of materials, but you still have to hawk the wares in certain ways, and it would really drive people to want to get the um, the guild traders because now they have stuff they actually are worth selling, you know? Um, yeah, I totally agree with you. It, and I think they said that. They're going to have, like, what did they say? Keys was their words. Like, when you run a dungeon, you get a key, and then mm-hmm. you get, like, 20 keys, and you can turn it in for, like, a... A special loot, kind of similar to like AP and Cyrodiil. I forget when that timetable for that was, but yeah. yeah. And right now, I grind them to get um, the Undaunted up because that Necrotic Orb is so special. Once you get the Necrotic Orb, though, you know, peace. I don't, I don't need anything else. I like how they're adding lots of large scale things. Mm-hmm. It, it really does give the game more depth. But what they need to do is they need to start adding little things start making like like what you said like to get like keys or some kind of other currency that you can use to get smaller things like pets there are pets in the game but there's what four pets Mm -hmm. make there be more pets available make doing those dailies give you another currency to get more pets a lot of people like to collect things or make their different variations of Horses or, or different mounds altogether, although that's a topic for another time, but different horses with different color coats, just other yep. things to make players want to continue doing the content that's available. Just like the die system. Just like the die mm-hmm. system. Yes. Has, if, if you did similar stuff for a mud crab pet and a, uh, a new horse that looks just a slightly bit different and made it some crazy thing you had to do, people would do it just because yep. it's different. Oh, yeah, definitely. Are you kidding me? I would I would stand in a pit full of eight legged thingies for a in game like gore mount. Well, that may be coming, but I don't know about the spider thing. But see, they're already making. This is the, why I have hope for this, and they just need to expand on it because they've already done that with uh, with dolmens, the chest thing. That yeah. when you when you do a dolmen, you get a chest. And I and I know they're doing this with the. Um, the Undaunted line with that, those are the daily dungeons, which are great for us to go and do them again. That's amazing. Um, but they still need to do something with the minor delves, the solo delves. And that's where I was saying how having a chest at the end that spawns once a day, like when you've completed it, you know, right behind the boss or or even better yet, when you kill the final boss, like they have fairly good loot, I guess. Maybe they just need to look... They, see, they already have a mechanic in place. The final boss. Kill the final boss of those areas and get loot. But maybe they need to rethink the way the loot table currently is and increase the rewards that you get for doing it. On a on you know, once a day have a chance of pot, you know, guaranteed blue item or better. And then the rest of the time it falls under the the standard, oh, did I get soul gems or not? You know? Oh, doing yeah, them I mean, every day for soul gems just doesn't seem to be enough incentive. No, it's time value of money. I mean, if you're any business student, I can spend more time. I, I can get rewards faster by farming ore uh, the right way and turning it in and getting tempering alloys versus spending an hour and frustrating and dying and doing dungeons. Mm-hmm. So it's much more effective to get endgame gear just by farming mats and walking around, dinking around than it is that. So, yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. And I mean, it doesn't even have to be so much a reward for that, but maybe they do something like a daily quest offered by the Undaunted just for extra money or whatever to go clear X amount of delves or, you know, 
not even public dungeons, but delves, public dungeon, you know, just things to make people go back and do it would be great. Because to me, once a night, once a thing goes white on my map, I don't, I don't go back. I'm done. It's done. It's cleared. It's just like Skyrim. You know, I, I get that cleared marker underneath the icon when I hover over it. I have no need to go back into it. You know, I, I, I rarely go back into things after I've, I've got that clear. But okay, so those are what they're doing currently with new quest and delves in Upper Craglorn. Now the next thing, a new trial, the trial of the serpent with a difficult mode. This is now being added. Yeah, you hear that snicker, Zenimax? <laughs> difficult mode. Um, so new trial of the serpent. Deltia, predictions. I, I kind of want to hear from you a little bit about do you think they have learned anything from their previous ones? Are they going to increase difficulty? I mean, it, again, I'm going to preface this with our listeners that this is just our predictions. There's, you know, we haven't played it yet. We haven't done anything like that. But, uh, you know, what do we feel? Go ahead, Delta. Well, I mean, I have to give them credit. They do listen. So if that's the presumption, I mean, I, I think they'll tr- gamers are gamers and are smart. So gamers will outthink developers all day. But if they tune it right and make it a little different, don't make it a DPS race, which is what we've said. You can have a boss or a mechanic, but the whole thing shouldn't be that. Like what happened to the Bannerman idea where like they make every encounter different and stuff like that. That's why I think they need to incorporate in there to make it different and unique and make it mechanic based versus everyone uses a destro restro staff stack up on top of each other and you use impulse over and over as long as it's not that it'll be fun and 12 people you know i don't like doing it and i'm probably going to stay away from it because i can't play the way i like and be a top end pve -er. i mean yeah i could do the destro restro thing and hit a thousand dps but that's cheesy to me i don't want to play like that so until trials become something smaller and or less cheesy, I'm going to stay away from it. Yeah, I mean, we're still leveling up and I'm, I'm excited to try trials. I really I like the concept, but the the current metagame that is trials, you know, just doesn't feel like like the type of content that I'm interested in playing. Yeah, me either. I'm a raider at heart. I, I've always been a raider, and that type of organized, large-scale PVE is what I'm always interested in. But as you said, this almost just looks like what what dungeons look like in other games, where it becomes a speed run. Just stack the best DPS, we'll pile it all together, and just get through it. You know, that's pretty much what. After the the smaller band dungeons are there to prepare you for raids and in, in other you know theme park MMOs, and eventually it just becomes a farming thing where when you do it it's speed run or, or GTFO. You know yeah. I just want to get this done, stack yep. the best DPS. I mean here's a perfect example: uh, uh, Final Fantasy XIV. I know I go to this, but it's probably the game that I play um, more than any other game besides ESL. There is a for farming the uh, the weekly raid currents, if you will, there is a speed run, and it is a warrior, a white major scholar, and the DPS has to be a bard or a black mage or double of those two. Any other classes don't get it. Yeah, you might d- finish the dungeon in 10 minutes, but the speed run is 8 minutes and 4 seconds, and if you can't meet that, 
you know, just re-roll. And that's what this is essentially what is happening is you're going into a dungeon and they're going, oh, I'm sorry, you are a bow user? No, 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 no. If you're not Destro Staff or Resto Staff, get out of here. You know, there's... Well, and the animation canceling. If they took that out, the game would be a thousand times better. Yeah. And for anyone who doesn't know that, basically when you're attacking, using a Destro or Restro, you can animation cancel to essentially get off a free light attack or a heavy attack while your ability is casting. So it's kind of hard to get used to it, but it's cheesy as hell and I don't not going to do it. Right. Yeah, it definitely that that kind of cheesing when they do that kind of stuff is I mean, it's great for the people who can do it. I, I'm not saying that because it, it does take practice to do the thing. But the problem is, I'm just going to be frank, is you can't do it with everything unless it's a Destro, Destro or a Restro. So I don't think you can actually do it well with a bow or anything. That cancels. You can't, you can't do it well because remember that the Destro just automatically goes. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, some of them don't. Like the Restro, you have to do it a different way because it's based off that you have a target in front of you. So, yeah, it doesn't work as well with everything else, essentially. But Destro, Restro, it does. You can weave what they call animation canceling, weaving. Yep. Definitely. And that's that does become a problem. And I, I honestly think that DPS of those classes would probably go down to 300 DPS a second. Oh, if yeah. Weaving was taken out. Then the 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 weapon abilities would be relevant somewhat. But I'm still with you right now with the, the I love DPSing with weapon abilities. That's why all my builds have them, because I just it looks cool and it's fun. Mm-hmm. But I, I would like the idea of a separate resource pool for stand, or for leaping or blocking or CC breaks. If I really think that would be good for the game because I, I don't want to have not have to rush out of combat based on oh, I got to do a charge or whatever next, you know. So I wish that would change. But otherwise, they did buff it quite a bit. I mean, there I can keep up DPS wise with my buddies that you know aren't doing the cheesy builds. Oh yeah, yeah. Just looking at my DPS that I've been following, uh, it since the patch went out and uh, I redid my Sword Saint build, I was doing three, four hundred DPS before. I'm doing five, six, sometimes seven hundred DPS a second now on my two, which is almost double what I was before. Um, Again, I can't, I can't weave or anything just because you can't do that with a two-handed weapon, at least to my knowledge, but. Um, it, it's went up quite a bit now, given I'm still three, 400 DPS shorter than the Destro resto staff stuff. But, you know, like I said, if they remove that weaving, then that would probably bring them back down to where I'm equivalent. But yeah, I'm still an advocate of a separate resource completely for any sort of, um, defensive maneuver. So. I, w- I will say this though the more content the better like just like they said if they had some pet collecting you know i'm never going to do that but they will if they have a have a 50 man content raid thing i'm never going to do it but they're probably being a lot of people that's why world of warcraft so successful there's 10 trillion things to do this game will get there but think about it it has not even been out a year when this game's been out a year, it's going to meet all the things they said it was going to do. It's going to launch on consoles. It's going to provide uh, monthly to bi-monthly updates, which they've done. I thought was impossible. So we're getting our money's worth, in my opinion. They're going to have my sub as long as these things continue. Well, I, I agree. Exactly. I mean, just what I said last night. Go back, or not last night, last last episode. Everyone go back and listen if you haven't. I predicted last week that either next week or the week after we would hear about Update 4. And we heard it this week. We got a preview video. 
And the fact that, you know, I'm able to predict with that level of accuracy, I couldn't predict when the next Warcraft thing is coming out. Like when they release a patch, I couldn't even, I in the faintest when their next content patch is actually gonna come out, you know? But there, I was like, nope, it's last week. I'm like, this is a slow news week, but next week we will probably have something. And we got something already because they are keeping up with their four to six weeks. It's, they release something, there's a week of nothing, and then they give us a preview. And the next week, roughly, it goes on the PTS, and then it's tested for a few weeks, and then it comes out, and then there's that one week, and that. So far, it's been exactly for each and every update. It's been that four weeks, and there we go. Everyone That's drinks impressive. and cries during that week where there's nothing going oh, on. Oh, I know our show. Our show is. <laughs> I, I really should just call them the week before content episode you know whatever because that's essentially what's going to happen i know i meant the developers are crying oh that's that's their break time (laughs) yes crying drinking (laughs) nice well definitely i hope the trial thing comes out and that uh it is actually difficult and that they learned a little bit from hellra and mage that you know people are cheesing it with just pure dps builds avoiding mechanics I think, I don't even care if they don't really change the way DPS builds are. If they make it so that you can't avoid mechanics, like they have to stop DPSing in order to go do something, you know, you can't cheese through mechanics, it's gonna definitely up the, up the skill, um, the skill threshold, the skill floor a lot more. Definitely. Okay. Next up, and probably the thing that Delty is most excited about, the Dragon Star Arena is coming out which is four-man pve content with both a normal and a veteran mode dungeon or veteran modes sorry essentially for those who don't know what the dragon star arena is is well it's an arena where you go into it and there are 10 different stages so your guys are coming in into the arena and there's going to be 10 different waves of enemies coming at you that your group has to defeat in a timed basis um the normal mode doesn't have the leaderboards. And I actually don't think it even has a timer or any restrictions or anything like that. It's just so you can practice, have fun, learn stuff. And then the veteran mode is where you start getting restrictions like the you can only res so many times or that's when you can start getting towards leaderboards. But uh, yeah, 10 different stages. And as each of your each stage you complete, the next stage comes out and each gets progressively harder and harder. Now, I have a lot of hope for some difficult content with this because while trials have not been very, very difficult, I have to say veteran mode dungeons, however, have been probably the most difficult content, especially four-man content dungeons that I've ever done. And Thais is over here crying a little bit, so. (laughs) (laughs) I I love the four man or women, whatever you want to call it, dungeons. I, I think the difficulty is just right. It's hard to pug them just getting in there with your first time doing it. And if you're not in comms or you're not staying out of the red, you will die. In other games, it's basically you hit the same button or one macro that hits five buttons in a sequence over 10 seconds, rinse and repeat. The tank's the only one who sits and does anything. This game, the tank can't taunt everyone. The, can't, the tank doesn't have a guard. The tank can only take out one target in CC. Everyone else has to heal, DPS, revive, and move. I love it. Everyone's involved. Absolutely. And it definitely, it's it's like you said, they don't hold everything. The tank's job is to 
CC lock down the most dangerous target out there and make sure it's focused on them. And the rest of your team has to learn and adapt with everything. That's what a tank's supposed to do. I like it. Thais, go ahead. Do your rant. Come on, it's rant time. I, I don't... I disagree. I Well, you can't really disagree with those statements, but I feel like a tank should be the person taking all of the damage. As a healer, I shouldn't have to be taking any damage unless it's AoE damage or the monster isn't tauntable. I should not be... There should not be me running in a circle with, you know, four mobs running into me while the tank is standing there going, ah, da 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 Doesn't... Doesn't work so you would rather the tank be running around with all those mobs while you're standing there going la 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 la. Yes, <laughs> okay. essentially, yes. Well, while I'm while I'm healing the tank, that that. <laughs> but this game is the type of game that breaks a lot of those different boundaries. Nothing is really the same. It's testing the different fields and it's a little bit more realistic. Because here's the thing I'm thinking of: if you're, I mean, you've seen any kind of street fight anywhere, any kind. There's not one guy standing out there, you know, like look at any time where you see riot police out there. The whole mob is not on one guy while everyone else is behind them. And that's not how it works. Well, it's just it's just refreshing because just like C says, it's get it gets you uncomfortable. That's what good raids and good content does. Why am I good at PvP? I get other people uncomfortable. I see see them slow and stun them. I'm on top of them. They want to be far away. This game, it makes you uncomfortable. Healers can't just sit back and heal and press four buttons. I love it. Mm -hmm. DPS can't just sit back and press three buttons. I love it. It's not just the tank who does everything. I guess I'm just so used to... I'll, I'll use conventional MMOs. Sure. I, I, I am. I'm really used to them. And I, um, I change makes me cringe. <laughs> so it's, it's still a lot of getting used to how this game is. I do enjoy healing. It's It's... Difficult. It's and different. It's way different. There's plenty of times where I'm in vent with Kip, or he's listening to me curse and cry and scream and run around my house because the content on Veteran Dungeons is difficult. Mm hmm. It, it is. And I actually, even I like healing because it's the way uh, that I can, that I like heal. I don't like standing in the back. I'm in the thick of combat while healing. Like I'm up in the front. I'm laying down healing springs. I'm dodging out of the way. I'm trying not to get eaten. It, yep, it's a lot fun. of fun. That is fun to me. I don't like, I've tried healing in other games where I sit there and stare at health bars and go, okay, health bars. Down. All right. Hit two. Okay. Everyone's <laughs> hit my alien. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's playing whack-a-mole and that bores me some people like that that is so not how it really is when it's you're fighting a list resort in wow it, in the firelands whack-a-mole no it's whack-a-mole no it's, it, it, that's not my phrase that's been used by lots of other people to call it whack-a-mole healing so <laughs> um that's essentially what it feels like and these games really do put you on edge and it, that's what i'm excited about the dragon star arena because it is going to be different. I have a feeling there's going to be, a, and unlike the other the other trials where you just stack DPS and go, you're not probably going to be able to do that because you're only going to have two DPS generally because you probably need a tank healer and, and two DPS with the standard party. So you're going to have to have people doing different stuff to avoid different stuff. When things come out, you're going to have your DPS maybe split or they have to go interrupt or they have to do all this different stuff. Um... It, it was it was interesting. 
definitely interesting. Um, I'm really excited for this. This is something that I'm really excited for, and I actually can't wait to jump into it myself. I think I need to make a few more changes to my uh, uh, Sword Saint build, make him a little bit more viable. Um, but otherwise, I'm excited for this one, definitely. Is Delta a tank? Are you a tank? Of course I am, because no one else knows how to do it or will do it, because it's the, the hardest job, so everyone stays away from it, and then... What do you mean the so hardest do job? The... We don't even hold aggro. <laughs> See what I did? I used your argument against you. <laughs> I had talons. You said, now, there's a difference between good tanks and bad tanks. I can use burning talons on everyone and root the whole group, build up a standard, drop it, and I can CC the entire party over and over. Now, other tanks, just derp and hold block. I'm not that guy. Thank goodness. That that's, uh, I don't know, but yeah, it's it's definitely interesting, and I actually I kind of like tanking too. It's fun. It's different. It's, it's way different. I like. I do miss the guard mechanic though. I like that. Yeah, it's, I like guard swapping. That was fun. <laughs> There's some things that are kind of interesting with the older traditional MMOs that you could do, but eventually it became, like you said, it, it's a memorizing the mechanics and going back and forth. This, it's kind of hard, even though we know what bosses generally do. I, I mean, the last time we ran a veteran mode dun dungeon with Spindle Clutch, we knew exactly what was going to happen. They were going to summon 50, you know, 50 spider ads would appear and then one big one and some little ones. It happened every time. But it didn't always turn out the same way every time because sometimes they ran by Ark and sometimes they didn't. And sometimes they ran it to East, which made her run out of the room screaming, which means we didn't get heals. So it's it's interesting. So I'm definitely excited for that. OK, um, that was all they really kind of highlighted for update four. But I know there's going to be a lot of other changes uh, that we'll have to see once it hits the PTS because. You might think it's a little underwhelming as a video, but think about this. They didn't really highlight the gear changes that happened in Update 3, but they came out. So, I'm excited. All right. So, anyone else have anything to say about Update 4? Deltia? No, I think this is another, another thing to do. I really hope that there's an incentive to do it. It's not like get a skill point and run, or that you can get some of the equivalent trials gear for doing this. That would be my ideal thing that maybe getting those dailies in here sometime, like we've talked about, you know, I can really see that dailies are needed that are actually give you something long-term. So it'll fill that void, fill that void for me. If it has that, basically you can redo it and the rewards are worth it. That's really what I want. And I'll do it no matter what, but I'm not going to keep coming back into it every day unless it, there's a purpose to it. Absolutely. Uh, Thais, you have anything you want to say about Update 4? No, um, I'm done. I'm good. Okay. All right, we're going to move on to the next section, which is the Tales of Tamriel. Now, first off, we always let our guests go first. So, Deltia, tell us a little bit about what you've been doing in ESO this week. Oh, man. A lot. Um, I got my Nightblade up to the veteran rank and been doing some videos. Finished up my skill guide videos. So I got every single skill morphed and tested and seen what I thought was the best for my little build one shot Willie. So that took a lot of time getting enough skill points to do that and also testing them all out and seeing what was effective and what wasn't. But so I've been doing that. I got Werewolf on my tank, um, kind of figured out a good way to build ultimate using the werewolf. So I got dropped a vampire. I'm going to do the tanking uh, werewolf tank. So that'll be interesting. Scott spent some time doing a guide on that. 
But really, I had just a blast the other night. Brandon, my friend Grouchy, and then I think we just had a random pickup. Well, you're just rolling around Craghorn. I'm like, have you ever done the uh, Sky Shirts here? He's like, no. I'm like, let's go do it. And so we went, and it was just a blast. I, I don't even know why. It was fun. We just went from delve to delve to delve, killing crap, talking to each other. It was like just what gaming should be, just kind of no pressure. We didn't have a time schedule. No one, you know, you didn't have to be here at eight and wear a Destro staff. And it was just gaming. It was fun. The core of it was just dudes and chicks or whatever, hanging out and team speak, having a blast. And I was like, I haven't had this much fun for such a long time. There was really no ulterior motive than just kind of hanging out and getting, doing the content. It was tough enough where we weren't just destroying everything. Yet it was, you know, we could do it even with a couple of VR twos and fives. So that was really my good experience for the day. I mean, just the week, it was just a lot of fun. I agree. And actually here's uh, one of the lot of fun is when we had that, uh, the guild Cyrodiil event, that was a lot of fun. Is it real? Like you said, it was just us running around, exploring content, doing stuff. It was fun. It was just fun gaming to do. And that's one of the best things about this game is when you're running around with the, your friends and stuff like that, is it's just fun to get out there and do stuff. It really is. So awesome. Well, um, I have to check out some more of your videos. So. Oh, and yeah. I was on ESO OTR. They were kind enough to have me on. Uh, if you're not listening to that podcast, you should. It's great. Um, so that was a great. They gave him a shout out for that. Met a lot of new cool people that are into Elder Scrolls. Um, just it was really all around a real good week to be an Elder Scrolls fan. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. Um, okay. Well, I guess this week we didn't have a lot of time for Thais and I to play because unfortunately she was away. But um First off, we did get, we get did get to play a little bit, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but uh, first off, I actually got a little bit more time to play than she did because what I was doing the most of, and this was actually Delty would have been proud of me. Uh, I took my level fifteen uh, Nightblade into the non VR campaign where it's no VR rank people are allowed in there, and I was actually just playing the gank squad by myself i actually ran to the entrance of the aldmari dominion zone <laughs> and sat outside the keeps because I, I built her to be a stealthy archer and when singular you know solo or duo people were running out i would be picking them off i was doing this for like two hours the one day hanging out by the the uh the gate keeps the mile keeps and waiting for people to run out and i stalked after them and was killing all these different people as they ran out of the keeps I feel bad. Uh, the one guy no, I was don't. killing, uh, I actually do because I killed this one. I he was, he had a very unique dye on. He he was uh, <laughs> oh, no. bright pink. <laughs> was it the ace? The ace it was not the ace, but I thought about it and I killed him. I kid you not, probably twenty three times. Are I was you keeping serious? track. Twenty three times. Just kept, kept coming running. out. Yeah, kept coming out. So I just kept <laughs> Every time you killed him, he was cursing my name in his head. Yeah. <laughs> so I really feel bad whoever that pink, uh, I think it was a... Pink Ranger. A pink Ranger was. I think it was a Templar. I'm not sure. Um, he wasn't using any Templar skills. He was using a two-handed axe. And it just looked like he was trying to... Didn't use any Templar skills. He wasn't even using any class skills that I noticed. But I probably <laughs> killed him like 
you know, twenty three <laughs> times. I was I have a I had a little sheet of paper here where I was checking off every time I killed him. You seriously were like writing that you were just like making tick marks. The little tick marks every time I killed the pink <laughs> ranger. Yes, you I got a screenshot I, the tick marks. I, I will. I'll I'll find the paper and I'll take a screenshot, put it on Twitter. It was oh, it was that's kind of funny. Story. Because after I killed him like three or four times, I'm like, seriously, is he going to come out again? And he kept coming out. So I, so I kept keeping track. Was he a bot? No, he wasn't a bot because he tried to be sneaky. Like sometimes he would jump out and kind of run off to the one side. So I kind of stalked after him a little bit. He'd run down oh. along the mountainside to try to get around. Then I'd then I'd jump him where he was. You're horrible. You're I, I felt bad after, like, the 15th kill. I'm like, seriously, dude. It's but, just, but, that, but then uh, you killed him, like, seven more times. Well, he kept coming out, yeah. Yeah, you have to kill him. He's yeah, filthy. I mean, he's I'm like, seriously, elf, right? dude. Yeah, he, he was an Altmer, so. Oh, okay, then he deserves to die. Yeah, it was just, it was funny, because I'm like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Seriously, dude, there's <laughs> enough, and the worst part is, if anyone who knows, there's two mile keeps, there's two entrances you can go out of, and it's, too great of a distance for me to jump back and forth. So I was really only out of the one. Why was he keep coming out of the same keep? I have no idea. But yes, yeah, so I did kind of gank him. I did this for like two hours. Um, two hours, one guy? In the two hour time, yeah, like 23 times I, I killed this guy. And I, I mean, I got a few other people in there and I think I died twice because one guy came out and I was attacking him and it was a pretty good fight. We were going for a while and then a group of like five people came out and I just so happened to be there and they, and they killed me. Um, but yeah, that, that was it. I didn't really die a lot because I when big groups came out, I stayed stealth. I wasn't going to try to, you know, Rambo in there. I was yeah. picking and choosing my fights. If it was one or two people, I would uh, I'd go for it. But you know, any more than that, and I let him run by. But yeah, no, it was two hours and killed that pink ranger at least twenty three times, and it was hilarious. Oh man, it's funny. But I figured Delta would be happy about that because oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, that was that was a lot of again. I was just going full bow and dual wield daggers. So I mean, full you gotta medium read my armor. guide, man. Hmm? You gotta read my guide. Oh yeah, yeah, and actually, you'll love it if anyone wants to bite my my uh, my person. I want to be a vampire owner for the faster stealth movement because that would be awesome. But uh, yeah, so I would love to do it, but I'm not quite there yet. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, so I was killing her. She's having heart packed. Um, that was a lot of fun. So I did that. And that was kind of like the highlight of my week without these. Um, I want to do more of my Let's Play videos for Jealous' Saga. But unfortunately, most of the week I was dealing with... Um, allergy issues so i really didn't want to sound like uh terrible on the video so i just didn't do it terrible yeah terrible terrible so that's all i did solo this week and that was a lot of fun <laughs> um but now things came back and we were playing a little bit today and a little bit um no just today and we were playing around and started on our templar and our sorcerer again now before we start in have you changed anything from like two weeks ago when you're a sorcerer? Well, when I respect, I, I did move around a whole bunch of skill points. I had originally respect to try and save some skill points. Mm -hmm. Turns out that did not go very well. 
all the skill points I took out, which was every single skill point. By the time I went through and put skill points back in, I had no skill points left. So I'm, I, I'm kind of sad that I missed my opportunity to respec multiple times. But it's okay. There was no great change that I did. I added a, a lot more passives. Mm -hmm. So my sorcerer now is just as squishy, but she's a little more powerful. And uh, my magic is now better. And I did redo my stats. So now everything is in health, so where it should be. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's all I really changed. Nice. Is right. it is it have you noticed a difference, Thais? Are you like more powerful, you think? Or I've noticed that I'm not taking nearly as much damage, but I think that was that was from before I respect my skills. Just from my attributes, I immediately notice a difference. Because mm -hmm. yeah. uh, I gained a lot of health. Now, you what know, about, I... Uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no. Go ahead, Deltia. I was going to say, have you uh, have you picked up Critical Surge yet? Oh, yeah. I, I have that now. Oh, okay. Yes. Never mind. I didn't know if you liked that or not. Mm-hmm. What does Critical Surge do? I don't play a sorcery that. Oh, it's God Mode. Critical Surge is... <laughs> Basically, it literally says every, God mode on it. It says God mode after you morph it. Every <laughs> critical hit you do, you get 65% health returned on that. Oh. So, this is what I do. Use it, have max weapon damage, and also bump through weapon damage. You have max weapon damage, you jump in there and either use Carve or the dual Steel Tornado, and you basically can out-heal their damage if you have high enough crit. So the more enemies around you, the better. Nice. I, I didn't know that. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, like, remember that one dungeon we were doing? Uh, what was it? It was the one with the gargoyle and the falling room. What what was that dungeon? I, I don't remember. It was a VR dungeon we were doing with Kipster and Ark. Um, but how... That's Banished Cells, isn't banded, it? Yeah, Banished Cells. Okay. Um he does an AOE crushing thing where I know you were dying a lot just because even with the shield, it wasn't keeping you up long enough without the health. And you're like, I don't get it. How am I constantly dying? And you're not. Everyone else was fine, but every stomp I died. Yeah. No matter what, she'd be at full health with a shield and she'd still die. But that's when you had your stats messed around. I'm like, well, if you look at my stats, I have almost 2200 health without really much of anything. I had like a thousand more health than you. So it was definitely nice. Now, now here's something I'm kind of interested in. Uh, Deltia, maybe this is something you might want to think about because I'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts. I'm trying to do some uh, number crunching. But okay. with 1.3 and how the how they redid the soft caps and hard caps because of the gear changes, I wonder if straight health uh, will prove to be not as good as mixing and matching. Hmm. Well, you still get 15 points out of health. This is true. Know. But, but I mean, it's a lot harder to hit soft caps now than it was true. before. Before, yeah, that's a good point. you know, you could hit soft cap on everything with just with, you know, with armor and chance and, and uh, maybe a little bit of food. Now it's going to be a lot harder to hit soft caps. Like I noticed before, even my health regen as a Nord, because I have a lot of health recovery, um, was always, always overpowered. Always. But since patch, it hasn't been. It's only been like 80% yeah. to full, and 
you know, that's I never thought about that. that. That's a that's a really good point. I'm actually gonna test that out. That's I, good. That's a good idea. I'm just really curious about it because you know, like I said, health recovery on my Nord has always been overpowered or overcharged, and since 1.3, I haven't been able to overcharge it with anything, even yeah. with food. So hmm. it's kind of interesting. Um, so yeah, that's kind of neat. Now, are you? What is your armor? Because it's been a few weeks, and I don't quite remember these. What is your armor and, and weapons like? What are you using? I still have my destruction staff and my healing staff, mm-hmm. and I'm still using two pieces of heavy armor. I believe I have the chest piece and the legs are heavy. Everything else is light, and that's because I was dying so much. I wanted that extra defense. Sure. Okay. Nice. All right. Well, as for my character, I went to a resto staff. Uh, I used two-handed sword and a resto staff as part of my sword saint build. The elder staves online. The elder staves online. Yeah, um, but that's my backup weapon. And I gotta tell you, that resto staff is insanely powerful. Like, yep. Even as a DPS weapon, I'm sitting there going, "Oh my goodness, it hits like a truck." It does. I'm like, "Oh my goodness gracious." Yep. Um. But if anyone's seen my little blog on TalesOfTamriel.com, I talked a little bit about my Sword Saint build, and um, we talked about it the other week, and uh, I made some changes to it. Um, Particularly, I've gotten rid of Critical Charge, and I actually got um, Toppling Charge, or Explosive Charge, from the Templar line, because that kind of works as both a movement closer, as well as a stun and interrupt for casting targets. Because it does, it, it knocks down and stuns um, anyone who's casting. So that I love that ability, and since it pulls off my magicka, um, I'm able to have more stamina for my uh, cleave and my or my carve and my uh, execute, and uh, that's been hitting like a truck. And with the resto staff being instant swap now and using um, equilibrium. I've not had any mana issues to speak of because that just fills my mana up like crazy and I have plenty to keep doing my other abilities again. It's really nice. I really am liking it. So I'm actually going to write up another um, another adaption of my Sword State build and put it up here as soon as I find the time to actually do it. So that's exciting. Um, but I've been really enjoying him. He's been he's five pieces of medium armor two pieces of heavy albeit i think i might switch that up a little bit and um go five pieces of medium armor and two pieces of light going forward i'm still gonna mess with it a little bit try to get a little bit more magicka recovery and try not to lose too much survivability but we'll have to see um so we were playing a little bit in glenumbra day and we picked up where we left off in Aldcroft, and uh, if anyone hasn't been there, it's like a little swampy town. It was really a lot of fun. We were running around, kind of doing our thing, and um, one of the quests we were working on was we had to go capture a werewolf, and Thais was hilarious, because she was getting really ticked off with the mage who was sent to capture, because every time we tried to capture the werewolf, she kept killing them. She'd kill them, and then she'd go, oh, I think I got him. Oh, no, wait, we need another one. Oh, no, I got this one. Oh, no, he's dead, too. We need another one. And I'm like, can can you stop killing them, please? That's like 10 werewolves you've killed. But before we catch one, you're going to kill them all. Right. It, it definitely, definitely is 
it was fun. When we went and captured it, it was kind of neat. Is we went and uh, turned it in, or went in and uh, found the werewolf hunter, who gives us an option of whether or not we wanted to kill her to use her blood to try to cure the duke because he was infected with uh, lycanthropy. And we tried to take the noble route, and we're like, no, we're not going to kill you. And then we went back to town, and what exactly happened, Daisy? So when, when we go back to town, because we tell we tell the girl that we're going to go, we'll take care of the duke, we'll, we'll go see what's up. When we get back to town, the duke is standing outside his house, hunched over with this other lady. And he goes, I meant to tell you, but, but I, I just, I couldn't find a way to tell you. And, and you say something like, well, we know you're infected. And he's like, okay, well, then the last thing I want is to just, I just want to say goodbye to my wife and kids. So now you're left with two choices. To let him go back into the house, into his house by himself to say goodbye to his wife and child. Or you can say, no, it's too risky, you just have to come with us. Now, as soon as I read these choices, I knew that if we picked the first one, he was going to to kill his wife and his kids. Like, I knew this. Like, I'm not, like, I I knew that's what was going to happen. But I still had to make the choice. And I'm like, Ag, I really want to choose the first one. I want to see what happens. He's like, all right, well, then you click it first. I want to make sure you click it. So I clicked it. And... The Duke is kind of a... He was just... I couldn't believe it. He goes, delicious. I will go say goodbye then. And then walks into the house. There's all kinds of screaming and hollering. He, like, rips them to shreds. There's, like, bodies and blood all over the place. I could not believe it. I felt really bad. We actually had to abandon the quest and pick it up again because I could not leave the quest like that. I couldn't do it. I just... I felt... Horrible. <laughs> and then what happens when we pick the other option? Do you remember? Because then he makes you even feel worse because he calls you heartless. Oh, yeah, he does. Because, like, I may never see my wife and my kids again. You are a heartless beast. Like, okay, well, if I let you see them, you would have torn them apart. So what do you really want here? Okay, you're giving me mixed signals. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was a lot of fun. And now we actually ran delicious. up delicious, indeed. Um, then we ran up and we were trying to pursue this. We had to try to figure out how to kill this Falchu werewolf uh, part of the Alessian Order. And we're actually kind of parked outside of the Glen Umbra Moors, and we're learning about the Battle of Glen Umbra Moors and trying to figure all that out. Um, but yeah, we didn't have a lot of time to play this week just because you know Thais is away and. I won't play uh, my main character without her, so I was stuck to ganking on my on my Nightblade, which equally was fun. I feel bad for that that poor uh, poor Pink Ranger. He died. So, um, do you have anything else you want to say about Tales for this week? No, that's okay. that's pretty much it. All right. Um, so yeah, next week we'll come back and we'll continue our adventures throughout Glen Umbra. I mean, I think this is probably the longest we've ever been in a zone, but you know, with some outside uh, circumstances and stuff we haven't been able to really play as much as we would like so we're really going to rush forward and try to i would really like to finish glen number moors for next week and be able to finish that zone so i hope <laughs> all right so that ends our tales section for this week definitely was a lot of fun and uh for next week i definitely want to hear everyone's adventures so you guys should send me emails about what you guys did podcast at tales of tamriel.com i want to hear it Specifically, T.S. Fangirl, since she didn't actually uh, send me the uh, 
awesome story for this week that she said she was going to. Trying to make her feel bad. <laughs> yeah, she'll hear in 30 seconds. In 30 seconds, she'll hear this. Okay, well, next up on our on our show is the dramatic reading of a book from the Elder Scrolls series. Since it's been a week or two since we've last done this, uh, we are continuing um, the Divines and Deities set from within ESO. Uh, this week, Thais will be reading The Monomyth, The Heart of the World. Thais, take it away. Note, this part was known as the High Elven Altamari creation myth. Anu encompassed and encompasses all things, so that he might know himself he created Anuel, his soul and the soul of all things. Anuel, as all souls, was given to self-reflection, and for this he needed to differentiate between his forms, attributes, and intellects. Thus was born Sithis, who was the sum of all the limitations Anuel would utilize to ponder himself. Anuel, who was the soul of all things, therefore became many things, and this interplay was and is the Erbus. At first, the Erbus was turbulent and confusing, as Anuel's ruminations went on without design. Aspects of the Erbus then asked for a schedule to follow, or procedures whereby they might enjoy themselves a little longer outside of perfect knowledge. So that he might know himself this way too, Anu created Oriel, the soul of his soul. Oriel bled through the Erbus as a new force called time. With time, various aspects of the Erbus began to understand their natures and limitations. They took names, like Magnus or Mara or Zen. One of these, Lorcan, was more of a limit than a nature, so he could never last long anywhere. As he entered every aspect of Anuel, Lorcan would plant an idea that was almost wholly based on limitation. He outlined a plan to create a soul for the Erbus, a place where the aspects of aspects might even be allowed to self-reflect. He gained many followers. Even Oriel, when told he would become the king of the New World, agreed to help Lorcan. So they created the Mundus, where their own aspects might live, and became the Et'ata. But this was a trick. As Lorcan knew, this world contained more limitations than not, and was therefore hardly a thing of Anu at all. Mundus was the house of Sithis. As their aspects began to die off, many of the Et'ata vanished completely. Some escaped, like Magnus, and that is why there are no limitations to magic. Others, like Yifri, transformed themselves into the Elnafe, the Earth Bones, so that the whole world might not die. Some had to marry and make children just to last. Each generation was weaker than the last, and soon there were Aldmer. Darkness caved in. Lorcan made armies out of the weakest souls and named them men, and they brought Sithis into every quarter. Oriel pleaded with Anu to take them back, but he had already filled their places with something else. But his soul was gentler and granted Oriel his bow and shield so that he might save the Aldmer from the hordes of men. Some had already fallen, like the Chimer, who listened to tainted Et'ada, and others, like the Bosmer, had soiled time's line by making mannish wives. 
Uriel could not save Altmora, the elder wood, and it was lost to men. They were chased south and east to old Elnofe, and Lorcan was close behind. He shattered that land into many. Finally, Tritimek, Uriel's greatest knight, knocked Lorcan down in front of his army and reached in with more than hands to take his heart. He was undone. The men dragged Lorcan's body away and swore blood vengeance on the heirs of Uriel for all time. But when Trinimac and Uriel tried to destroy the heart of Lorcan, it laughed at them. It said, this heart is the heart of the world, for one was made to satisfy the other. So Uriel fastened the thing to an arrow and let it fly into the sea, where no aspect of the new world may ever find it. Excellent. And that was the monomyth, the heart of the world. <laughs> I actually, as much as I hate um, the the elves, the I, I love how the world and the lore is so like there. There's no one truth, and that's one of the best things about the Elder Scrolls is everyone has everyone looks at Lorcan a little differently. Like the men look at as him look to him as a messiah whereas the elves look at him as like a loki character a trickster god he who you know is is bad and i like how all the myths almost have share a lot of the same things a lot of the same characters recur but based on the people talking about the myth it it changes based on their perspectives in this the elves see themselves as descendants of the gods, and therefore Lorcan and his plan to create, you know, the mortal plane and make them mortal, he was he was a bad, bad, you know, individual. Whereas the Nords and and other humans, knowing that they were mortal to begin with, and would die off, that he created a mortal plane for them, they see him as a messiah. You know, he who took mercy on him and gave of himself to give a place for mortals to go is I just love how deep and rich Elder Scrolls lore really is. It is fantastic. All right. We're going to move on to our next section, the community spotlight. And this week I have selected something I think everyone will be kind of interested in. It is a guide called the General Executioner guide on tamrieljournal.com and the reason why i find this really interesting is because dyes are out now there's a dye called daedric red and it's actually a really nice red dye and i really want it <clears throat> but it's tied to the achievement the daedric lord slayer um or yeah yeah no it's not daedric lord slayer i'm sorry that's the title you get from it um this is a dark anchor achievement where you have to go out and you have to kill all 16 of Molag Ball's generals. But with, you know, they're a rare spawn. They're not always there. But he actually comes in here and he notes that while they are a rare spawn, they have no legit one place to go. They are actually tied to level zones unless you're in Cyrodiil, which then they can spawn anywhere. And it's a really neat guide if you're after a very specific general that you're missing. There is a whole little like spreadsheet guide saying like if you're after the traveling Dramora, the best places to go are either Gratwood, Stormhaven, or Deshaun. And those are the places that he has a chance of spawning. Now again, 
if you guys know it's only like a five percent chance or something like that right before the final boss that it'll summon one of these champions these generals but after you kill all of them you'll get the uh interesting title and the die so definitely if you're interested in finishing out this achievement which i know i am because i'm an achievement whore you should check this out it is on tamaraljournal.com it is the general executioner daedric red die guy check it out and thank you tamaral journal for putting this guy together and being an awesome part of the eso community okay uh, next up is our guild corner. Uh, Deltia, did you want to plug uh, your guild? Um, hard contact is what I'm in, and it's nothing too crazy. Just a bunch of old guys and gals kind of hanging out in TeamSpeak. We help a lot of new people that aren't really familiar with MMOs or this type of game. So if you want to join, just whisper me at Deltia in-game. I'd be happy to have you. We have a lot of resources in our guild bank that we're happy to share with you, and just doing we're really gearing up for the four-man uh, uh, arena right now. And so we're just practicing our team unity, getting alts leveled and seeing how the game works and what we want to play for our mains at the very far end game. So if you want to do that and you kind of just want to hang out and just run around Craglorn and have fun, nothing too serious. We don't have specific times we do anything. We're not treating this like a job. If you want that environment, whispering in-game, we'd be happy to have you. Uh, there's no drama, have a team speak, and no website or anything, so you don't have to sign up and register. Just just whisper me, and that's what we're planning on doing. Excellent, excellent. I'm actually just pasting this uh, link in the Twitch chat for anyone who is curious on seeing it. Um, okay, well, that's hard contact. You should contact Deltia. That's awesome. If you're interested in joining the friends and family guild of Tales of Tamaro podcast, you can either contact uh, myself, that's Jellos, that's at A-G-G-E-L-O-S, or at Tear Eater, T-E-A-R-E-A-T-E-R, in-game for an invite. Uh, this, you know, this guild is just a place where fans of the show can meet and mingle with all the hosts of our, our podcast. And uh, once in a while, we go out and we like to do some events with uh, our listeners and stuff. We like doing that kind of stuff. So listen here. Uh, if this is where we would announce when we want to do this stuff. I was thinking about doing another romp through Cyrodiil. However, uh, I'm going to wait a little bit. Mostly because Renfair is in season here, and the next two weekends, I'm not sure when we're going to go. That's why I haven't announced anything yet. So, what's Renfair? Renaissance, Renaissance Fair. Fair? You never been there? Oh, I, I thought you said Renfair. I didn't know what that is. Yeah, I'm Renfair. Renfair. Renaissance Fair. Yeah. Never yeah. been to one. Oh, there are a lot of fun. Are a they really? Yeah, we drink lots of mead and watch all <laughs> kinds of Celtic performers and stuff. It's pretty awesome. We spend a lot. I spend a lot of time watching the glass blowers, and he spends There's, a lot of time uh, watching the blacksmith. Does Ag wear a kilt? I do have a kilt, yes. Uh, I, I do. Guys, I would say you're a nerd, but I'm a nerdy too, so it's fine. We're all nerds. I love you guys. Mm-hmm. It's We like doing it. And I, like I said, I like going there. And the best part is our Ren Fair here in uh, Pennsylvania, where we live, is they, they have a year-round winery and brewery. Like, they brew everything on site. All the stuff there is stuff that they brew. Huh. So... It, so it's, it's like mead. legit mead. Yeah, yes. no, it's legit mead. Yeah, because it's not. That kind of like fun. It is. It's definitely a lot of fun. And you get to see jousting and stuff like that. We need to have a tell, Tales of Tamriel meetup once we hit the uh, year year mark. Wouldn't that be fun? That would be a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> get yeah. Ark here from Turkey. Come on. Yeah. Ark. <laughs> oh, wow. That would be a long trip, Ark. Indeed. Yeah, we, have, we should actually do that. We should get a 
It'll be fun. That would be fun. All right. And uh, fi- the final guild I want to highlight is our friend Kipster in the show. He has a guild called the Dragon Guard, and it's his own PvE progression guild. And I know uh, Thais and I are both in it. Um, th- this is more of a hardcore type guild that are interested in PvE progression, specifically trials and probably the uh, four-man Dragon Star Arena. We're currently accepting any VR-ranked character with a serious intention toward end-game PvE content. If that's what you like to do, give us a give us a shout. Uh, if you have an interest, you can contact Kipster in game. That's K Y P S T E R, and uh, he'll get you all signed up. In particular, we're currently in need of healers more than any other spec. We have way too many Dragonite tanks. You're <laughs> heaven above. I'm not saying we wouldn't accept any, but just saying that we have a lot of them. We have very few healers, specifically Templar healers. I think I'm the only one that has any intention of playing a healer-type Templar. Since when did you become a healer? Uh, since there's no other viable spec for Trials. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> At least that I would like to play. Um, so yeah, if you're interested, check it out. Alright, next up, uh, our emails and iTunes review. We only had one iTunes review this week. Face one of you read it. It is from Steel Booth 2000. Great show, thank you, five stars. Great show, thank you for the new content. Deltia, thanks for fixing your mic. DC <laughs> rules. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Thank you so much for listening, and we do appreciate the uh, five-star review. It's really nice. Um, okay, we had no emails this week. Are you scaring yourself? I, I'm, yeah, I'm good. I'm okay. Good. I'm going to put that Stop down. playing with stuff during okay. the show. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, now it's uh, my least favorite time of the show, and that's our final thoughts. Um, so, all right, we'll go around the corner here, give everyone our final thoughts for the show, and tell people where they can follow us. Uh, Thais, tell us your final thoughts for the episode, where they can find you in-game, follow you, etc. My final thoughts for the show is it was a great show. I read an awful lot, though. I think I'm probably going to go cry in the corner after this because that was a lot to read. And I really messed up the very first reading. Just, oh, so bad. I need to practice my English and read dictionaries. You can find me in-game at Tear Eater, T-E-A-R-E-A-T-E-R. I am also on Twitter, which is, is that at also? Mm-hmm. Is that at? And isn't it Twit Queen Thais? <laughs> yes. Okay. It's long. I'm not going to spell it. Twit Queen Thais. There we go. All right. Anything else you want to say? No, I'm good. Okay. Twit Queen Thais. Send her twits. <laughs> yes, I love twits. Okay. Okay. Our friend Deltia. Deltia, what are your thoughts yeah. on the show? Well, real quick, you can find me for at Deltia's Gaming on Twitter or DeltiasGaming.com for my guides and YouTube videos and whatnot. Um, really just happy to be keep playing this game. It's just fun. I don't know why. It's just a lot of fun. The community is great. I've received a lot of help from people in and outside of the game, especially YouTube. I'm really enjoying every class of the game, so I will be making guides for all sorts of different classes, not just the Dragon Knight, to look for those. Other than that, you know, the game... I can't believe they're keeping to their promise and adding this much content, especially like new systems. You know, it's usually a year out when a game launches, they have something like that come out. So the Dragon Star Arena, if it's two months away, I'm fine. A month, I'll be blown away. Can't wait to get in there and start playing it. So good job, Elder Scrolls. Keep it up. 
Excellent, excellent. Um, and uh, you didn't say your website or anything like that, good sir. Did I? I thought I said, oh, deltiasgaming.com. And then I am in, it might have cut out, um, in game at Deltia. If you ever need anything, want to talk about bills or yell at me for some other reason and say Templars are the best class in the game, feel free. I want to talk to people. I do that every day. I log in, and the first thing I do, oh, Delta's on. Delta Templars are the best. And what's your what's your uh, what's your guild rank in hard contact? Oh, yeah, he made me a special uh, guild rank, which is OPS shite Templar. <laughs> expletive, expletive. Yes, that is my guild rank, and I love it. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. Um, Definitely check him out, deltiasgaming.com. You can go there. Uh, his YouTube, Deltias Gaming. If you go to the Tales of Tamriel uh, YouTube, we link to it. It's on one of our featured things. You should go check the, all those stuff out. Okay. Well, I want to thank my co-host for joining me this evening. Um, loved doing the show. It was a lot of fun. Um, I love the the update, like I said. The fact that they're keeping their promises. The fact that I can predict when they're going to do updates, which is really great. And it, it was definitely exciting. Even as I said last week, I said as much as I hated doing, not hated doing, but how the show felt light because there wasn't a lot of news. I was like, well, this is just the calm before the storm because next week there's going to be an update or there's going to be the week after. And well, you know, we, we got our first little preview of update four. So I'm really excited with the way Xenomax is going. Um, I know they're currently working on it. Uh, some of the biggest things that I have complaints about, I know they're actively working on, such as the grouping, which I really think will help the the Craglorn experience, the the um, the phasing mechanic changes. So once those come in, this game is going to be even more amazing than it already is. And it honestly, I personally believe it's the best MMO out there. I'm just biased, I guess, but it's true. Um, so yeah. That's it. I want to thank everyone uh, for listening to the podcast, especially the chat room. Thank you so much for coming out. Uh, it's been great being able to do this every week and having an active chat room. Uh, specifically, I know we have a couple people, uh, Kilted Piper, TS Fangirl, um, Arkaneer, uh, that show up every week uh, and are always active in our chat room. You guys are great. Thank you so much for coming out and keeping all that together. Um, you should give them a follow on Twitter, too. Uh, if you have want to help support the podcast feel free to donate via the paypal link on our website if you wish to contact us with questions comments criticisms the website for the show is talesoftamrail.com where we post all of our episodes we post all of uh, uh my blog post as well as several fan written guides um they're out there as well from our friend Stelden. uh he has a series going and is going to be going probably till september so far unless you submit some more so every week there's a new one from him um so check him out uh you can also email the show at podcast at tales of tamriel.com you can follow the show on twitter at tales of tamriel.com and i forgot to give my twitter uh my personal twitter is at agelos that's a-g-g-e-l-o-s underscore w-o-f um you can follow the show on facebook at facebook.com slash tales of tamriel podcast also feel free to rate and subscribe to us via itunes and on youtube where we post all of these videos and all of these uh live streams that we do um as well as a little let's play series at youtube.com slash tales of tamriel um thank you so much for listening and we hope you enjoy this episode have a good night everybody